the Portland is Home team talks real estate. Whether you live here or you're on your way, Audra and Andrew Galler work hard to welcome you home. They make the whole real estate process attainable, educational, and fun. After all, it is the biggest transaction of your life. The Portland is Home team talks real estate. I'm Michelle O'Dell, your host, and now, Audra and Andrew Galler. Hi, Michelle. Thank you. We're so excited to be here. Andrew, how are you doing over there? I'm spectacular, Michelle. So we're going to get right into it. You're moving to Portland or you live here already and you're thinking about wanting to own a house. And it is very intimidating. Regular people like myself, we look to people like you that have all the answers. And so this first episode, we're going to talk about the very first call that you make to welcome home. Audra, I'm going to start with you. What's it like? Somebody like me, Michelle from Portland, wants to buy a house. What's the first thing we talk about? Well, first of all, it's exciting buying a home if you're already living here or if you're moving here. One of the things that we decided to do many, many moons ago when we bought our first place, which didn't go as well as we had hoped, and we felt that there was a better way to do real estate, where you actually get involved with the goals of the actual buyer. So we just sit down, we start talking about what they want, what they're looking for. Uh, if they're not from here, we will talk about neighborhoods and what each neighborhood has that might be something that you love or something that you're looking for, whether you want the hills on the west side or you want flat grid with bike routes on the east side, schools, if they're important or not. And we start getting your want list. And it's really exciting because now you're starting to put this together. It hasn't got to the scary part yet. Right now, all we're doing is talking about all of your desires and your wants in a house. How much time do you like to spend welcoming them to your business? Michelle, the first conversation that we have with people is basically just like this, where we're just talking. And we're starting to just talk about when they plan on moving or when they plan on purchasing and just some neighborhoods that they're interested in, how many bedrooms they would prefer, where their price point is, just very casually discussing some items. We also send out at that point our buyer's book, and then we send out a blank copy of the sales agreement in Oregon. We do a follow-up call, and that second call is an hour to an hour and a half. And that's when we get really down and dirty and we start going over the actual contract that they will be signing when they're purchasing a home. You're not going to remember any of this, but we like to at least go over it so that we can kind of get some of those initial questions out. So the second call is when we get really finite with a lot of the information and we go over the earnest money agreement that's for Oregon. People might have bought a home in another state, so it's not the same, or they haven't bought or purchased a home recently. And going over the sales agreement, it brings up questions that they might not remember, such as 1% of your earnest money that we have to have within three business days of writing an offer, but then getting that offer accepted. So three business days from that acceptance, they have to divorce themselves from 1% of the sales price. And we get into a lot of different scenarios with them as well at this point. Mm -hmm. So we start the first conversation. We're just going over what they're looking for, when they would love to be in their new home. And then we follow it up with a second conversation where we really go over the contract and what we're looking at and then all the costs associated prior to buying a house, going through your inspection period, et cetera. So Andrew, what's your process a little bit like? A lot of what the first phone call has to do with is us learning about our clients, trying to figure out what are their dreams? 
what do they see their life as? When people say, I need three bedrooms, a lot of times we want to know, why do you need three bedrooms? In some ways, it's rhetorical, but in other ways, some people's third bedroom is just an office and what is space over in between these other rooms work. And that's important for us to learn. So if we do see a home that has options of layout that we can expose them to our clients and suggest solutions to their problems, a lot of what we see our job as is just... What Audra and I think we're on the same page about is that in college, we kind of majored in solutionology and we have a PhD and, you know, we're, we're certified solutionists. So, <laughs> yeah, because if we know what their needs are, this is all we do about 70 hours a week for the last 19 years. And we've seen about half a kajillion homes or two. A lot of times we see layouts and there's opportunities to say, listen, here's a house you didn't think would work, but what if we walk through it and you can see We find that to be pretty important right now because inventory, right? The number of homes available to be seen is so low and the good ones go so quickly that it's important to have somebody in your corner who can expose you to new ideas. You know, it doesn't always work, but at least that you've got somebody who's suggesting ways to accommodate the needs of our clients that might not be as simple as three bed, two bath. We begin with an idea of what it's going to be and close to 100% of the time we end up in somewhere else. You know, you go on vacation, you're saying Hawaii, Hawaii, you end up in Hawaii, right? But sometimes, you know, you don't. And sometimes it's extra fabulous because it wasn't what you thought, but it is exactly what you wanted. Yeah. Some people come in with these preconceived notions and then you show them other things. That's a big risk you're taking. You're giving them what they need, (laughs) not necessarily what they thought they needed, especially people from out of town. You don't know what you're going to end up with and just keep an open mind. And I think too, in the beginning of the process, the first handful of homes is really just market research. It does happen that some of our clients have walked in the first home and one and done, that's it. And those folks are the exception. Sometimes it works out really well that way. Other times we've had clients who've looked for over a year and a half and you know, we end up scouring the entire city all over these wonderful six quadrants of Portland. And so <laughs> you know, you don't know where you're gonna end up, but it's important to explore as much as you can because it's really important to find the right fit. So you've had your first meeting, which was pretty much chit chat, getting to know them a little bit. Then you had your second meeting where you really tell them about the not so fun parts about it. And that's about an hour and a half. So then we actually start looking at houses and we tell them all of our buyers, let's just go look. There's no harm in getting you into a home or not. You know, we follow all the COVID protocols, of course, but let's get inside some homes because you might say, I, I really love Victorians. I love the little rooms. I That's what I really, really want. And yeah, that's what you might end up with. But let's go look at some open concepts and see if that works for you as well. It's really good. And we're believers that if you get into different homes, it's going to just help in your process as you're going through trying to find the home that you get to go home to every day. You know, we came into this job moving to Portland 21 years ago for a different job. We used to work in film and theater and fell in love with Portland. We literally started buying homes a few years after that and fixing them up. We'd buy terrible fixers. used to think in my head we were making Portland pretty one house at a time. How many sessions of house looking are they going to go through? Most people look somewhere between nine and 12 homes before making their first offer. But I also think, again, it's really just about the person. Some people really want to delve deep, but I'd say, you know, 9, 12, 15 is a good average. And I think it also, some of it's predicated on how the market is. When the market's more relaxed, 
folks tend to look at more uh, when it gets a little more frenetic like it is now. One thing about Audra and I, we've been doing this long enough now, 19 years, that we've been through three or five market cycles of up and down. So we're really able to bring a depth and breadth of experience to help our clients navigate what this particular market is like relative to how it affects the velocity that homes move or if they'll be around a while. Right now we're in a seller's market. It is harder when there's not a lot of homes to choose from. Mm -hmm. It doesn't say that you won't find your home because luckily there's a lot of really great homes that do hit the market. But when there's not a lot of inventory, it's a little bit harder. You really want to have a good team on your side because whether or not someone chooses to use us, have someone who really knows, has a lot of experience, can really navigate talking to other agents and quote unquote selling why their buyer should get the deal Mm -hmm. and understanding that not only the market conditions, but also the different neighborhoods and what each neighborhood, so the average sales price or what they're going for, what the resale is going to be. There are things that we talk about, even though these aren't technically investments, people always ask, am am I, do you think this is an okay price? Do you think I'm going to like lose my shirt when I try to sell this? We have lots of conversations about all of this. Having a really strong team on your side is imperative. How many people are on your team now? It's I know you and Andrew both show homes, but how many other people are, are helping you right now? We have three other people on our team. They're great. I mean, we couldn't do it without them. They're the backbone of all of this. And we have the years of experience, but they have a lot of knowledge. Each one of them brings a different element of specialty to the table. We're incredibly lucky to have them on our side. One advantage of having the support we have with our three assistants is having engineered a situation to better serve our clients so that no matter what, we can get our buyers into the home. Right now, we're seeing multiple offers on almost all the houses and homes are not staying on the market very long. So having the flexibility to get our clients in around their schedules is imperative. What we find, you know, close to like 100% of the time is in order to afford a home, both people are working and they're working the hours they work. And when they're not working is the exact time they need to get into that house. And we have a family. And so there are times when we're just not available, but our one of our assistants always is. The most important thing to our clients is what's most important to our clients. And if getting into that house at eight in the evening is the only time they can do it, well, by gosh, we're going to get them in at that time. The way it works is that we're accessible and we're available and we have a larger bandwidth than just one person. And because of the bandwidth being bigger, that the amount of service that our clients will provide and have access to is exponentially more than it would be if it were just me by myself. But when we're talking about just the specific basic buyer who's coming in from somewhere else or from here who is buying a home, that's where having five people on a team works really well because we all introduce ourselves. We do a welcome letter where it says, here's who we all are. And we will say, hey, today I'm busy. I can't do this, but so-and-so is going to get you in to the house today, or they're going to take the tour today. We work with a lot of doctors. We have a relocation contract. A lot of times we can't be everywhere at once and someone else will step in and take the tour. I love that. To know that it's spread out a bunch of four or five people, it makes me feel better. Like, okay, people have a life. I'm not their only client. I'm not the only person in the world. I find it really caring 
that now most companies and people understand that there is another life that people have at home and that if we could all work around making everybody happy, it's a win-win. Exactly. Especially hiring assistants to help who are amazing and they're capable and they can go, they're just as good as we are. They just don't have the experience, but they get that through us. And that's the deal. So you really are holding people's hands for them. If it's not you or Andrew, it's somebody on your team. You send a nice welcome letter and here's us. We're going to help you. So now let's say you found your dream home. What's the next step? This is where it can get a little dicey. Uh, This is where Andrew's negotiation skills really shine. This is his forte. And so I'm going to let him talk about this one. Okay, Andrew. Well, the thing you need to understand (laughs) is I'm really good at it. (laughs) And the first thing is that negotiation is a big deal. And okay, so we we go into a home, right? And our, our client's like, ah, Let's make an offer. This is the best house. This checks all the boxes, except for the few boxes it doesn't check, but the rest of them it checks, right? One thing we call finding a home is a game show called Pick Your Compromise, right? And so (laughs) in that game show, you have to pick your compromise. Sometimes, you know, there's no compromise. It checks every single box. And sometimes it doesn't, most times, because reality. When we find that home, the first thing I do is call the other agent and find out if there are offers or we have any competition. Because if we don't, then it's kind of not easier, but more simple. So then we write an offer and we're going to have a discussion about how much should we write it for and all the variables that go into an offer, right? Down payment, earnest money, which we can talk about for a very long time. And we'll make an offer. And if there's competition, we got to figure out how to make our offer better than our competitors. A lot of it, again, has to do mostly with me and how fabulous I am. And what I mean about that is having an agent like me who knows most of the agents in town and they all know I'm not psychotic, which helps in a competitive situation because I will fight for my clients. Will be, we're huge advocates and great advisors. If we find out there's five offers, we really need to look at all the variables of an offer because of course price plays a big factor, but the other terms and conditions sometimes can be just, if not more powerful and compelling to the seller than just the price. Obviously, if someone else's offer comes in twice the amount ours is, we're not going to win no matter how great I am, no matter how great the other terms and conditions are. But if it's very close and we find almost very often it is, then every little bit counts. The demeanor we bring when we talk to the seller's agent for the first time is a big deal that they can determine that we are going to be able to represent our clients and get the buyer and seller together to the finish line because really nothing else matters because we've done a ridiculous amount of empirical studies and have delved deep and have hired consultants and they've all come back with the same conclusion, which is 100% of nothing equals nothing. So if someone's buyer doesn't close the deal, then it doesn't matter about anything else. When we start a deal, We assure the seller's agent, our buyers are the real deal and they're going to close this. And that's compelling. And then we back it up by being consistent, getting in front of every eventuality. We know 100% of the time a home is going to have to be inspected. So before our offer is even presented, we're already with inspectors trying to book them because that makes us look better. Everything we can do, making the inspection period shorter, increasing down payment, just exploring all the things we can do to grease the wheels to get our clients in the position that they want to be in, which if they like a home, it's to have their offer accepted. That whole back and forth, how long can that take? A lot of it's case by case. And the variability about it is the velocity of the market. So I'm talking right now in the second week of July, 2020. 
and we do a lot of market research. We have a bunch of programs we pay a fortune to have that give us market information to the day. And yesterday when I ran a market report in the zip codes, we monitor most closely. We monitor a lot of them. What we're finding in the second week of July, 2020 is that the amount of homes for sale year to date, 2020 versus 2019, there are 46.1% fewer homes on the market, which is truly mind bendingly astounding. Supply is down by half yet demand as measured by pending homes is up 7.7%. Even in the even pandemic. in the pandemic, which is crazy, because if someone had said to me, if past me had said to today me, hey, listen, next year, there's going to be like a pandemic, I would have said that's crazy. But that's what happened. And if someone had said to me, what do you think is going to happen to the market? Should there be a global pandemic? I would have said the market's going to tank. I'm going to cut my subscription to everything on the Internet. And that's it. OK, well, counterintuitively, it didn't happen. What has happened in Portland is that supply has plummeted by almost half and demand has gone up by close to a fifth. Why? We talk to our clients all the time just to check in and say hello, see if they need anything and just to touch base because, you know, a lot of our clients are friends and acquaintances of ours. And I was talking to a friend of ours today. She said, you know, I'm not selling because she's got children like fourth and sixth grade and doesn't want a bunch of people coming in and concerned about their health. And it's not imperative that they sell their home this year. She would like to upgrade and they were planning on it, but this now is not the year to sell their home or go back to Europe or everything else we're not doing, right? What we're finding is that people who are going to start the ball rolling to sell, and this is the only explanation I can think of. I don't really know the answer, right? But it has to be that a lot of people are like, hey, how about this? We don't sell. We shelter in place. We stay here. Let's see what the next year brings. But so timing the market I have never figured out how to do. And I've read Warren Buffett, what he says. And and, and so there's people smarter than me who agree with that sentiment. Is next year going to be better? They predict what I've read is that interest rates are going to stay low through next year. Is that true? Couldn't tell you. Don't know the future. So timing the market, I don't know how to do. Telling you about today, I can do. And I can tell you interest rates are insanely low. And if they go down 10 or 15% less than they are now, that's not going to change your payment that much. It'd be a better deal. Sure, fine. But I don't know what that's going to be like. Is there a possibility that inventory, a lot of people are going to list their home because there's a lot of deferred activity all at once next year? Could be. Could also be that there won't be. One of the things about listing your home now that we're seeing, with a few exceptions, is there are bidding wars on every single house, especially in the normal price points, right? The like mid price points. But we've even been in bidding wars in the million and a half market. People are still buying. They still have to buy homes. They're still moving here. They've been transferred here. Whatever it is, they're still, you know, if you are thinking, should I sell? Well, I think yes. If you're a buyer and you're coming in, should you wait? Well, maybe, but you still have to live somewhere and you're either going to pay rent to someone else or you're going to pay your mortgage. Also, what we find is that timing it to your life, we believe, is really the most important part of it and not the market because we don't know about the market tomorrow and you do know about your life now. So when's the right time for you? That's the right time for you. And it doesn't matter to you. It doesn't matter like, oh, never trying to look for a house in the winter or there is no rule like that, right? Short answer is yes. I think the longer answer is that 
we grew up in the Midwest where it was literally 10 below zero for most of January every year, where it is truly painful to go outside. And here we just don't have as much of a slow time. We've been busy before in the week between Christmas and New Year's. We speak with people who have that mindset for reasons that make a lot of sense. In the spring, the yard's going to look great. People are going to be wanting to put these kids mm-hmm. in school before school starts. All oh, that makes so much sense. But we all think that, don't we? And if we agree that we all think that, then if you're a seller, is there going to be more competition or less? There's going to be more. And if it's right for you to buy a home between Thanksgiving and the Christmas season, then that's the time to do it. When we speak with our sellers about that, yes, it is the case that we will get less buyers through at that time for all the reasons you can imagine. People going to parties, holidays, but every buyer you get around that time of year is like worth five or six buyers in June. No one's just kicking tires, going to an open house after brunch because let's play house. Everyone's going because they need to buy a home. Otherwise, they would rather do anything else than look for homes in the dead of winter when it gets dark at like two in the afternoon. I mean, it's cold and rainy. No one mm-hmm. wants to do it then. Mm-hmm. It's not fun. You do it because you mm-hmm. have to. All those buyers are serious. You found the house, you negotiated Mm -hmm. with with everybody. Now, what's the next thing that happens? So let's say buyer makes an offer, seller accepts the offer, we're off to the races, kicks off a few timelines. The most imperative ones are redemption of earnest money. That's three business days after mutual acceptance. Then we're going to have a disclosure period unless the seller's a bank or a court-appointed trustee of an estate or new construction. Otherwise, a buyer gets five business days within which to walk out for any reason. And then we have an inspection period. All these three timelines run concurrently, the same time, enveloped inside one another. We have a 10 business day inspection period. That time period is negotiable. If it's a competitive situation, we can explore doing it for less time to make our offer stand out. Okay, fine. So then we get all of our inspections done, and we can talk about this more later. But short story is we get our inspections done and we negotiate on the findings of those. And then either a seller agrees to have the deferred maintenance addressed in either financial ways or fix things. And then we get the home appraised. And once the home is appraised, then the appraiser turns that into the lender. Lender turns that paperwork around, buyer signs closing documents. And then a few days later, we close, hand off keys have big emotional hugs unless it's COVID season. And like, it's like, oh, it's heartfelt. You know, and we give them some gifts and, you know, wish them well in a six plus feet distance away with a mask Mm -hmm. on. And then they have a new home. And that process takes about four to five weeks unless there's a compelling reason for it to take longer. Like the seller wants a longer close. That's the short story. And the long and the short of it that I've gotten out of this entire podcast is that I don't have to be an expert on real estate in Portland. I can just sort of put it in your lap, get this off my plate, help me with all the details, tell me when to sign something. You just handle everything. That's what people need. Well, that's exactly right. And Michelle, time was when I used to be able to change my own headlights on my car. Well, now my car is German and I don't know how to do anything on that car. I take it into the dealer. They'll tell me what they're going to do. I nod my head like I understand. Uh, The home buying process, I feel like my clients do have a better understanding of the steps and the processes and all the decisions making way more than I do at the, the repair shop. I do feel that we work as a team with our clients to help them determine the pros and cons of any decision of every fork in the road so that they have the best potential to make the decision that works out best for them and their families throughout this, because it's such a big deal. We will joke, okay? We'll try to make it the most pleasant experience it can be, but let's acknowledge that 
it's the biggest thing some of us do in our entire lives. And it's one of the most stressful because we don't want it to go wrong. And the learning curve is so steep and can be so consequential to one's life that we really do like to slow down and walk through all of the questions and all of these big decisions that need to be made. And whether it's just a single person or a person with their family, it really needs to be well thought out. And sometimes we need to sleep on it. And sometimes we need to revisit the same conversation three or four times to really just determine, you know, gosh, what if it goes this way? What if it goes that way? You know, I don't know that we hold their hands as much as we really try to help them figure out the best case scenario for them and where it makes sense to move forward and where it doesn't. Michelle, you were touching on this a little bit. And as much as our most of our clients that come in are educated in the real estate world, there are a lot of timelines and there is a lot of just back and forth with paperwork. That side of things we take care of 100%. On our watch, you will never miss a deadline. And that's really important. We don't just sit back and say, get your earnest money in within three business days. We literally say, what day and what time can we come pick up your earnest money before this date? And so we make it very specific. We come to you, we figure it out so that you don't even have to worry about this because we understand you have a job and this is our job. And our job is making sure you are in the best seated position for an offer, making sure that no deadlines are missed, making sure that in contracts, you're getting everything that you asked for. So if we're going through the negotiation time, and you said, oh, I, and I would love a home warranty or whatever. You know, we talked to you about all these different options. We make sure all of that is in there. We don't miss anything. So you don't have to remember all of this. It's concierge inspired, which means we are doing actually everything for you. I don't want you to think about, gosh, I need to get an electrician out to my house. I do that. I go get that electrician for you. I have a team. I call it my curated team. People that I've worked with, some of them for darn near 19 years, my landscape crew, they're just amazing. But these people will fit me in at the drop of a hat. The second I say, I need you all to go out to such and such address, this is what I need. My crew shows up, they can get me a paint bid, an electrical bid, we can get a landscaping bid, I can get every bid you need within a day. 19 years ago, when we bought our first home, and the, the transaction was a little disjointed and it didn't feel right. And I kept thinking, gosh, this is a huge purchase. And I really feel like I'm a little bit in the dark on what I'm actually doing here. And that inspired us to move forward with this hand. It is a little bit of a hand holding. It's a concierge inspired service. We are there for you so that you don't have to worry about all these little things. If you want to and you your dad is the plumber and he wants to come, great, let's bring him into the fold. But most people don't have these contacts. And sometimes you're buying a house and you don't know you want to paint the house and you want to get some stuff done, lay a patio. And you, you're thinking, gosh, I don't even know how much this is going to cost. I can have those numbers to you within no time. And that's what's really, really important with trying to get through to how we do this business. And that is the biggest separator. So are you trying to say that your experience with your first time home buying here in Portland wasn't so great? I mean, I don't want to throw anyone under the bus, but it kind of sounds like the experience was bad enough that you started a business yourself. But on top of that, we just didn't know anything that was happening. We didn't know any of this stuff. And I definitely didn't know somebody who could come out and 
remove a tree or paint rooms and you can do it yourself. Yes. I'm not saying that some of the stuff, some of the stuff is really hard and you can't. But when we bought our first place, I thought, oh, I need to lay some flooring down. And what about some minor things I want done? And I want this tiled. And I didn't know how much anything cost or who I would trust to do it. And that was the part for me. So now you have your home. You've gone through, we've negotiated, we've gone to the back and forth in the bidding war, we've called you, you know, three, four times, do you want to do this? Do you want to do it this way? We're through all that. Now you have the keys. Now you walk in your house and now you think, oh my gosh, I want to have these rooms painted. I don't feel like I want to do it myself because I have my job. What do I do? Well, whether it's during the transaction or after the transaction, we are here. We are here. So you call us and you just say, Audra, I want to have a painter out. I want to have this. I'm on it. And that's life forever. That's part of what we do. And and it was because when you buy in the dark and you're naive and you have no idea what's going on, it inspires you to go and make it better. And I'm sure back then, Portland was just ripe for somebody like you to come in and give that kind of specialized service, really help people through this biggest transaction of their life. Mm-hmm. And also, Michelle, we didn't know anyone here. We started from scratch. We had no friends, no family, and we had to make a living with people using us in real estate. We had to stand out and it worked for us and it was the way we did it. And here you are still doing it and now you're talking about it on your own show. (laughs) Because you're giving them great information. The next episode should be the traffic and that's Mm -hmm. with an I-C-K at the end. The six quadrants. Six quads. Just so that everyone's clear about this. There's six quads in Portland. What kind of lifestyle each quad will afford you Mm -hmm. and what types of things happen in each quad You need to know that before you even really decide how much Portland house you want or need. Well, that's a thing. Because it's a great city. If you've already lived here, you know how great it is. If you're moving here, you will find out. And Andrew and Audra are the people to help you with all that. You want to add anything else for this first episode? I just appreciate you taking the time interviewing us, Michelle. This is great. I love a good conversation because you learn so much about everybody. And you're really going to help a lot of people with this podcast. Well, we hope so. People aren't stopping coming here. Let's help them before they even get here. Yes. This is why this is important to us is there is so much to learn. There's so much to know. And you're going to be moving to a new place, perhaps need some guidance on where to go in town, what to do, and just have fun with the process, but have fun with people who know what they're doing. You're like a friendly next door neighbor and a seasoned professional all at the same time and a friend. Like it says on your website, you know, you clients forever. And I love that. Yeah, we do. One of our biggest goals with everybody is long-term relationships. We have found that Folks going to buy or sell or they won't, but that we're there to help them, whether they buy this year or next year or 30 years from now. As a potential home buyer myself, I would love to know that I just have a team of people just waiting to answer questions and help me take care of all that. And I can't wait to talk next week about the different quads of Portland and how to make that work. We'll talk to you in a week. Wonderful. Thank you, Michelle. Thanks for joining the Portland is Home team talking real estate. You can find them at portlandishome.com. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe in Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes are published every week. For help with your podcast, find Modcast Productions on social media at Modcast Productions or on the web at modcastproductions.com. 